Once upon a time, uh, there was a man who was, uh, who was kind of well off, and he was into, he was into cars. And so he was, he was pretty well off, he was kind of young, and he bought an old car and started kind of to fix it up and to mess with it and, and to play with it. Um, it wasn't a junker car, like it was a good car, it was a good old car. But, you know, life happened. So he has his old car, but then he got married, and then they had some kids, and, well, well, more important things came ahead of the car. So the old car ended up in the barn, in the back, with a cover on it. About 20 or so years later, his, his firstborn, his daughter, she's, uh, she's graduating from high school or from college, and, um, and he says, look, I have this car, and I want to give it to you. Uh, it, it don't look too pretty, but it's a good car, and it, it, it runs. And I said, okay, well, thank you. He said, but first, like before you take it, I want you to, um, to bring it to the junkyard, and I want you to see how much you can get, how much you can get for it, for parts. Okay. So she drives the car over to the junkyard and shows it to the people and they say, yeah, we'll give you a couple hundred dollars for it, for parts. Okay. She goes back, tells her dad what they said. He says, okay, now I want you to bring it like to the used car lot. And I want you to see how much they'll give you for the old car. You know, it runs and runs well, but it don't look good on the outside. I want you to go see how much they'll give for you. And said, okay. So she goes to the used car lot, and they say, well, we'll give you a couple thousand dollars for it. Because they know how much they can get for it once, when they resell it. Said, okay. She goes back to her dad, tells him, and he said, all right, one more place. One more place I want you to go with it. You see, there's a, there's a club in town where they, like, specialize in, in antique cars. They, they like that kind of stuff, and they know what they're talking about. So I want you to go to the car, the car club in town and see how much they give you for the car. So she drives on over to the car club, and they're having a meeting or whatever, and she can talk to them, and she says, hey, how much would you give me for the car? And they say, ah, we'll give you about $100,000. Huh. And she drives back home and tells her dad. You see, um, we don't know if we found a treasure unless we know what a treasure looks like. I'm going to say that again. We don't know if we found a treasure unless we know what a treasure looks like. The people at the junkyard saw the car and all they saw was the value of the parts. The people at the used car lot saw the car and all they saw was the value of the exterior. The people at the car club saw a treasure because they knew what they were looking for. Well, we're looking for something more important than a car, y'all. We are looking for the kingdom of heaven. God, who loves us, is offering to us the kingdom of heaven. And if we want to be able to receive that gift from God, we got to be able to distinguish the good stuff from the bad stuff. The merchant who was in search of fine pearls found one a great price. So he knew that that pearl was worth him going to sell everything to get it. I don't know about you, but if I looked at a pearl, I can't even tell you the difference between a real one and a fake one. Otherwise, 
once more the difference between a small value and a big value. The people who kept, the fishermen who sort the good fish and the bad fish, they got to know which fish is good and which fish is bad. I'll tell you, and if you don't think that's true, I'll tell you this. So when people come down, come down here from up north and we have crawfish, you always tell the, the newbies to the crawfish, you say, don't eat the dead ones. Say, what are you talking about? They're all dead. You just bawled them. Yeah, but you laugh because you, know, you all know what that means. Don't eat the ones that were dead before they were bald, and you know that because the tail's going to be straight instead of curved, and that ain't good to eat. But you don't know that if you're from, from up north. You've got to have been trained in the art of eating crawfish. So we have to be trained in the art of seeing the kingdom of God and of seeing the kinds of things that lead us to the kingdom of God. And that, that virtue is called wisdom or prudence. That's the virtue that King Solomon asked for and was praised by God because he asked for it. Wisdom, prudence is the same thing. Those two words are synonyms. And wisdom or prudence means that we know what the good is. How do we get that? How do we get prudence? How do we get wisdom? How do we get this ability to distinguish treasure from trash? Well, first, like Solomon, we ask for it. Second, we fill our minds with the right stuff. Because the stuff we put into our minds is going to affect what comes out of our minds. The stuff we put in is going to affect the kinds of thoughts that we have as we go about our day. So, we should not put into our minds the things that are bad. Or the things that even if they're not bad in themselves, are not good for us. What you read, what you watch, what you listen to, that makes a difference. We've got to read good books. What do I mean by good books? We've got to read the Bible. We've got to read the Catechism. If you don't like to read, listen to them. Father Mike Schmitz did this wonderful thing. Put the whole Bible and the whole Catechism on a podcast. If you don't like to read it, you don't have time to read it, listen to it in your car, listen to the Bible and the Catechism. To fill our minds with the truth. After that, read good stuff. Not bad stuff, but good stuff. Well, Father, how am I supposed to know the difference? I think we know. Pretty much. I think we know. You know, when I, when I read The Lord of the Rings, which I read every so often, every couple years, I feel motivated to live a virtuous life. I feel motivated to do good and right things. That's, a, that's good literature. Last year, I was reading this other series called... Um, called The Wheel of Time. And it was fine. It wasn't bad. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to read that again. I don't know if that's helpful to be putting into my mind. So I probably won't read that one again. But I'll read Lord of the Rings again. And you know that. You know what kind of things move you to live a good life and what kind of things move you to live a bad life. Or maybe not even a bad life, but just like, ugh. Like, just like not to be, not to be um, perceptive 
to what a treasure is, but instead to kind of be moved towards things that are, well, that ain't so valuable, like the kingdom of God. What you read, what you listen to, what you watch. What do we watch on TV? Or Netflix or Disney or Hulu or whatever thing you use today. Y'all, I know that like there's a lot of like shows and stuff that have good stories or whatever, but that, that move our minds towards garbage. I'm going to say this quickly. I'm going to say this clearly. We cannot read or watch things that have pornography in them. That's a mortal sin. But for example, look, if you can fast forward to every single one of those scenes in the Game of Thrones and not watch them at all, okay, whatever. But, like, it's a mortal sin to watch those scenes. And my advice is not even a mess with going close to that. We've got to fill our mind with good things. What you read, there are so many so-called romance novels, so-called, that, that describe in explicit detail things that should only be happening in private between a husband and a wife. We can't read those things. Reading that and imagining that in the pictures in, in their mind is a mortal sin. That's not, that's not, that's not leading us towards the treasure. That's, that's trash. But we have to choose to read, to watch, and to listen to things that move us to the good. And I'm not saying the only thing you can watch on TV is The Chosen, though I do recommend that. It's really good. But I am saying that we can't watch things that are evil. And I am saying that we should just pay attention to our hearts. We are watching stuff that's not evil. Is this good for me? Is this helping me to be virtuous? Or, or is it not? And then, that's up to you and to your discernment. If we, we can't find the treasure if we don't know what a treasure looks like. But here's the thing, that's not enough. Because sometimes we know what the good thing is and we still don't do it. You ever knew what the right thing to do was and didn't do it? Don't raise your hand. Because we we'll all raise our hands. So, uh, I'll give an example. Um, so, on Wednesday, I'm going to, uh, to New Orleans and giving a talk to the uh, seminarians for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Okay, I give talks to seminarians, no problem. And then they tell me, yeah, but also like the archbishop's going to be there. I'm like, oh, kind of nervous. I'm nervous about that. So I have to pray about that and offer that to the Lord. I shouldn't be nervous. The Lord's going to provide, but nonetheless, I'm a little nervous. And so I sit down like to prepare the talk, right, to, to do some writing and to talk to Jesus. And, you know, next thing I know, I'm washing the dishes. And I'm doing the clothes. And... And there wasn't no talk that got written. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Right? You sat down to do something that you need to do or been about to do something that you need to do and said, ah, oh, well, I'll go do this other good thing instead. Well, that, or rather to not do that, to do the thing that we're supposed to do when we're supposed to do it, that requires the gift of fortitude, also known as courage. Because you see, it's not enough just to have wisdom knowing what the good thing is, but we also have to have courage, which is the virtue by which we do the good thing that we know we're supposed to do. And how do we, ex how do we get that? Well, step one is we ask for it. That's always step one. The, the Lord says to us, ask and you will receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. And so we ask our Father for what we need. 
with boldness because we are His sons and daughters who are Christians. And then, we take baby steps. Little steps. Small acts towards doing the best thing. Towards doing the good thing. Towards choosing the good. So, for me, when I need to sit down and write something that I'm nervous about writing, or need to prepare something that I'm nervous about preparing, for me to think, alright, 30 minutes. The phone goes off. The distractions go away. I ain't going to wash no dishes. Focus. 30 minutes. I might get one sentence written or I might finish the whole thing. I don't know. But I'm committing to a baby step. 30 minutes. For you, with whatever you're working on, it might be five minutes. It might be ten minutes. It might be an hour and a half. I don't know what a baby step looks like for you. uh, But I just know that if we want to work on fortitude, if we want to work on courage, choosing to do the good, then we ask for it and we take baby steps. But still, that is not enough. There's one more thing that helps us to get this treasure, to receive this gift of the kingdom of God that He has given to us. And that third thing, in addition to wisdom, in addition to courage, is called temperance. Because you see, sometimes we get distracted from what's good by by things that are just useless like pleasure, or possessions, or power. I remember yesterday I was doing something, I was doing something useful and something good, and I picked up my phone to check something, and I wanted to check something like that it had to do with my work. Right? I was working, and I picked up my phone, and I checked something, and ten minutes later, somehow, somehow I had managed to end up on Instagram watching a reel, and I don't even remember why I picked up my phone. I know that's never happened to you. But it happens to me sometimes. And I, I, I sought pleasure, the little dopamine hit of looking at my phone and looking at Instagram, instead of seeking what was good. Solomon. Solomon had all the wisdom in the world. He knew what was good, but he didn't do it. Why? Because he didn't have temperance. The man had like something like 400 wives. I don't know how you can have 400 wives without having a whole lot of lust. Without seeking after a whole lot more pleasure than is right and proper. Solomon was distracted by pleasure. Second thing we can be distracted by is possessions. How many times, same deal, you're doing your work, you're getting so, you're, you're going after the good, or maybe it's not your work, but it's time with your family. Maybe like you, you're going to spend time with your family, and next thing you know, you're on your phone again, but this time you're on Amazon buying something that you don't need. Now you see, you know what that's like. Distracted by possessions. Solomon. Solomon, he had so much gold that nobody ever had no, so, no much gold. Not that nobody ever had that much gold in all of Israel. He had so much silver. Nobody ever had that much silver. If I remember right, he had so much bronze that they just gave up measuring it. That we don't know how much bronze he's got because it's too much, we can't weigh it. That's ridiculous. He was distracted by pleasure. I mean, well, he was distracted by pleasure, but he was also distracted by possessions. Third, power. How many times can we be in the middle of the good, resting, working, spending time in our families, doing things that are good in our lives, and then we, but, but we fantasize about, like, I don't know, if 
about getting back at that person who did us wrong or who we perceived did us wrong. Or we fantasize about what it would be like if I had this job or if I had this much influence or if these people liked me or things like that. Power. Searching after power always gets in the way of our happiness. It gets in the way. It blinds us to the treasure. Solomon, he had like a bajillion chariots and horses to pull those chariots. And if you think back 3,000 years ago in the ancient Near East, a chariot is like a tank. That's the most advanced weapon of warfare that they got. And he had a bajillion of them. Power. Might. Solomon fell into grave, grave, horrible sin because he did not have temperance. He had wisdom. He knew what was good. But he liked temperance. And so he got distracted from what he knew was the right thing. From what he knew was the right thing to do. So how do we get temperance? You tell me. If you want temperance, step one is to ask for it. Exactly. And step two is to engage in mortifications. If you have too much stuff, give some of your stuff away. If you like pleasure too much, fast. Or abstain from things that are tasty to eat. If you like power too much, get down on your knees and pray to God especially on your knees if you're physically able. We don't need to pray all our prayers on our knees. There's good praying praying sitting and praying standing. But getting on our knees says something about that God is God and I am not. Pleasure, possession, and power lead us into intemperance. Lead us away from the virtue of temperance. So, Jesus says that we ought to be looking for the treasure. Jesus died on the cross and gives Himself to us in the Eucharist to bring to us the greatest treasure that there is. To to bring us into the kingdom of God. And to receive that gift, we need wisdom to know the good, courage to do the good, and temperance to overcome all those obstacles to doing the good. So let us pray this week for all three of those gifts prudence, justice, and temperance. And I encourage you to pick one. To pick one thing that you can do to grow in one of those virtues like we've just talked about. Because you can't find the treasure if you don't know what it looks like. So Lord, help us to know what it looks like and help us to have all the virtues that we need to receive that gift from you.